the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. LeBron James, call Andy McCarthy. Yeah, LeBron has become uh, a leading voice in the call for social justice in support of the Black Lives Matter movement, and nobody was surprised to hear his reaction to uh, no murder charges being filed in the case of Breonna Taylor yesterday. Here's what LeBron said in a tweet, quote, I've been lost for words today, exclamation point. I'm devastated, hurt, sad, and mad. We want justice for Brianna, yet justice was met for her neighbor's apartment walls and not her beautiful life. You know the story about the one one cop was uh, is it was indicted for uh, wanton uh, disregard or whatever they call it, but anyway for shooting the shooting his gun and causing a lot of uh, damage and putting people in danger. But uh, LeBron doesn't want to hear about the investigation. Uh, that went on that uh, led to Brianna or to the to two cops not being charged with murder. He doesn't want to be bothered with any of the facts. It all has to fit the narrative or it doesn't count. Black Lives Matter doesn't want to hear about any facts either. And the rioters, some of whom, by the way, were seen on video. Maybe you've seen it unloading rioting uh, gear from a U-Haul truck signs and all that kind of shields. Uh, they were more than ready to riot when the word came down yesterday. Now, Andy McCarthy is a former federal prosecutor. He's been on this show several times, one of my favorite guests. And as usual, he puts a controversial case in perspective. Everyone in the media, especially the sports media, uh, especially the sports media, who slobber all over all the professional leagues for their dedication to the Black Lives Matter movement and the leagues encouraging players to uh, put the names of people whom uh, they consider victims of murder at the hands of police on their helmets. The, the, all the people who slobber all over them for that, uh, they should be required to read what Andy wrote today about the grand jury's decision. And it sums it up so well. Uh, I, I would have liked to have had Andy on the show, but he's awfully busy now because of this. He's going to be asked to be on Fox and things he normally does. I didn't want to bother him today, but I, I just thought it was um, the piece that he wrote was so perfect and I don't know how many people will see it. He wrote it at nationalreview.com, and um, and uh, you should check it out. But I, I'm going to go through it and just tell you, if, for, if you have any doubts about why there were uh, no murder charges filed against the cops, this is Andy McCarthy, a former prosecutor. And he says, the charge will not satisfy the mob. Neither the peaceful protesters nor the radical rioters who have taken to the streets since shortly after Ms. Taylor was killed on March 13th are interested in the facts of the case. They could not care less how the law applies to the evidence a Lexington grand jury poured over this week. Their interest is only to set in stone a distorted narrative of police officers on the hunt for a young black man callously gunned down an innocent young black woman after supposedly crashing into an apartment without warning. Now, police will be relieved that no charges were brought against Sergeant John Mattingly and Detective Miles Cosgrove, whose shots in the dark chaos struck Ms. Taylor only after the officers were fired upon by her boyfriend, Kenneth Walker, who himself uh, may have been justified in the confusion in shooting at what he says he believed was an intruder. Uh, Andy writes, the cops were doing their job and executing a lawful search warrant at a location that was quite justifiably tied to a notorious criminal, Ms. Taylor's former boyfriend, Jamarcus Glover. And you got to hear about um, Jamarcus Glover, This who this guy was. This is, uh, Breonna Taylor has a new boyfriend now, but her former, her former boyfriend, uh, Jamarcus Glover, was a noted drug dealer, and uh, he wasn't just selling weed to the kids or weed on the street. This is a guy who was selling and uh, peddling uh, fent fentanyl, and that is a killer drug, and... Uh, uh, what he's doing, you know, they talk about Breonna Taylor being a, an emergency, uh, an EMT or whatever she was, um, 
uh, and that's great. And but they say, well, you know, she was so valuable to the community. How valuable are you to the community when you're enabling someone to sell fentanyl and and uh, cocaine crack to uh, to the kids in the neighborhood? That's what uh, her boyfriend was doing. And uh, McCarthy says much of what we've been told about the case turns out not to be true. Imagine that. It's amazing how often this happens, huh? Uh, much of what we've been told about the case turns out not to be true. Hands up, don't shoot urban legend of police brutality. It's another hands up, don't shoot urban legend of police brutality. Most prominently, Attorney General uh, Daniel Cameron explained that the police did not execute a no-knock warrant before entering Miss Taylor's apartment. They knocked and announced themselves as police before forcing entry shortly after midnight. So the, the story that was out there that was um, fueling the rioting was that they just barged in, and uh, and Breonna Taylor's boyfriend didn't know who it was, so he just started shooting, and then the, the cops started shooting, and she was killed. But there was a knock, and they did, according to witnesses, and according to the grand jury investigation, they did uh, identify themselves as the police. So how they came at came to be at Ms. Taylor's home with a search warrant based on probable cause that evidence of narcotics crimes could would be found, is the part of the story that the social justice warriors would have us omit. But it needs telling. When she was killed, Breonna Taylor was 26, a hospital emergency room technician who hoped to become a nurse. But over the years, this is what I was saying before, she had gotten involved with Glover. This is Demarcus Glover, a 30-year-old, twice-convicted drug dealer. Though she was never a targeted suspect, the New York Times reports that Ms. Taylor was entangled in the frequent police investigations of Glover. Taylor remained romantically involved with him, though he had spent years in prison. Uh, in fact, uh, in 2016, Taylor agreed to rent a car for Glover and, for her trouble, ended up interviewed in a murder investigation. Now, this is a woman who's hanging out with a guy who's in prison for drugs, selling, and, and again, it's not weed, you know, and it's not it's not going out and buying a six-pack for a couple of kids or something. It's fentanyl. Uh, a man was found shot to death behind the steering wheel of that car, and drugs were found in it. Glover was connected to the, to the decedent through an associate, but was not charged in the case. So this is her, this is her, uh, her lover, her boyfriend, uh, Demarcus, uh, Jamarcus Glover. And, um, we're, you know, we, we, uh, these, the people who are claimed to be victims of police brutality, police violence, and, and police shootings, they tend to be elevated to martyr status, sainthood. Um, and, and it usually happens before the whole story comes out. And then once the story does come out, nobody wants to believe it because how could that be true about somebody who's so saintly and such a martyr? Anyway, in the years that followed, uh, McCarthy writing now, Glover was repeatedly arrested on drug charges, and Taylor arranged bail for him and one of his Confederates on at least two occasions. Police surveillance established that Glover continued to make regular trips to Taylor's apartment, and Taylor herself was seen outside a house investigators say was part of the drug trafficking operations. Again, this is this is who she's hanging with, and this is you you can go off on a, a tangent and talk about the drug war and the, and the war on drugs and whether it's um, does more harm than good in many cases it does and this might be an example of it as bad as fentanyl is uh you know the 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 carnage that's caused by um the government's insistence on creating a black market by making it illegal and putting people in prison for selling it and which raises the price and makes it possible for them to make a profit i mean we all know that but uh, this is fentanyl and uh, to me it's a little different after glover was released on bail uh surveillance oh this is a different one well, hold on this is mccarthy again at the time of glover's arrest in late 2019 police observed observed narcotics pickups but had informant information describing crack sales and executed search warrants that yielded crack eight guns, and a surveillance system commonly used by drug distribution organizations to de defeat police detection. And then after Glover was released on bail, surveillance placed his car at Ms. Taylor's home 10 miles away on six occasions over the next couple of months. 
Taylor's car was seen in the vicinity of a trap house associated with Glover several times. And the New York Times reports she was photographed in front of that location in mid-February. Police also had evidence that Glover used Taylor's address to receive parcels sent by mail. So he was having drugs sent to her house. So that is why they thought a, a, um, a search warrant was needed, because they they had evidence, uh, in their minds, proof that um, that drugs had been sent to her house, and she was then giving those drugs to Glover so he could sell it in the neighborhood and, you know, maybe cause a few people to die from overdoses of fentanyl. Unbelievable. Uh, police also had evidence that uh, Glover used Taylor's address to receive parcels sent by mail, he was seen leaving her apartment carrying a package in mid-January. As of late February, just two weeks before the warrant was executed, Glover was listing her apartment at his, as his home address, according to various databases. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking about um, uh, a tweet I saw from Kamala Harris um, just a little while ago. And it was uh, something like, say, uh, say Brianna Taylor's name. Uh, she just, that's all she tweeted. And so she's still behind Brianna and thinking that uh, these cops should be charged with her, with murdering her. Uh, so on the night police executed the warrant at Ms. Taylor's apartment, they searched other locations associated with Glover's drug operation. The Times recounts that police found a table covered in drugs packaged for sale, including a plastic sa uh, sash uh, containing cocaine and fentanyl. Moreover, the paper adds, quote, In a series of calls hours after her death, as Mr. Glover tried to make bail, he told another woman that he had left about $14,000 with Ms. Taylor. Again, this is after he heard that she was shot. Bray been having all my money, he claimed. The same afternoon, he also told an associate he had left money at Ms. Taylor's house. So that's why the cops were lo That's what the cops were looking for. Some of what they were looking for was the money. Uh, that they thought was there, and they, and according to what Glover himself said, there was money there at some point. Maybe they didn't find it. The lawyer for the Taylor family says no drugs or cash were found in Taylor's apartment that night. This is again, this is uh, uh, Andy McCarthy writing. A county prosecutor counters that the sh the shootings curtailed the search, meaning that all the confusion in the shooting, they ended up not doing a good search. And McCarthy says if that's true, it's irregular. The fact that a civilian was killed. And a police officer wounded would argue for doing an even more thorough search than usual, not calling it off. So that's uh, that's what happened, and that's why they, that's why they had did the search warrant. And then he goes on. On March 13th, after working, she met Walker for dinner. This is the day she was the night she was killed. And they returned to her apartment where they watched television, and she went to sleep after midnight. At about 12:40 a.m., the police, led by Mattingly and Cosgrove, knocked on the door and announced themselves as police. Taylor and Walker were startled out of their sleep. Walker, a licensed owner of a 9mm Glock, says he did not know it was the police at the door and speculated that it might be Glover breaking in. For their part, the police expected that Ms. Taylor would be alone. They had not seen Walker enter the dwelling with her. It was dark. There was a long hallway between the bedroom and the front door. There was screaming. Walker fired as Mattingly came through the door, striking him in the leg and severely wounding him. Mattingly and Cosgrove returned fire into the hallway in the general direction of where they believed the shooter was. When the smoke cleared, Walker was unharmed, but Taylor had been struck six times. FBI ballistics experts eventually determined that Cosgrove fired the fatal shot. And now he has been charged, which seems appropriate. Uh, uh, what what the mob wants, though, now this is he's talking about. Uh, it's it's appropriate that Hackinson, he's the other cop uh, that fired all those shots. And he says it's appropriate that he was charged that it was done when he did. But then he writes, what the mob wants, though, is murder charges against the two cops who shot Ms. Taylor. There's a no conceivable legal justification for that. Remember, Andy's a former prosecutor. The police were properly executing a lawful warrant. There appears, to have, there appears to have been more than adequate probable cause for the search in light of Glover's ties to the apartment. Even if there were any doubt about that, the warrant had been duly authorized, and the police were entitled to rely on it, and they were fired upon before reasonably responding with lethal, lethal force. And then here's how he finishes. 
This is uh, Andy McCarthy. What happened to Breonna Taylor was a calamity. That is why the city of Louisville just paid $12 million to settle the wrongful death lawsuit her family filed rather than trying to fight it. Obviously, the money cannot bring her back to life and will never be adequate compensation for her loved one's loss, but that could also have been said for the politicized uh, filing of unapproved homicides, unprovable homicide charges. The legal system can only do the best it can. It cannot fully compensate for tragic loss, and its criminal processes are not equipped to address catastrophes that are not crimes. The state of Kentucky was right to opt, uh, right not to opt for mob justice. Unfortunately, the mob has a different conception of quote-unquote justice, and it is ripping the country apart. That's right. The riots will go on tonight. But you know what, what Andy McCarthy did with this piece right here? Case closed. I'll be back. This is John Steigerwald, and I want to talk to you about the latest film from Dinesh D'Souza, and it's his most important. It's called Trump Card, and it's an expose of the socialism, corruption, and gangsterism that defines the Democrat Party. Whether it's the creeping socialism of Joe Biden or the overt socialism of Bernie Sanders, this film reveals what's unique about modern socialism, who's behind it, why it's evil, and how we can work with President Trump to stop it. This is the most important election of our lifetimes. The stakes are high, the battle lines stark. And this new film by Dinesh D'Souza explains why, as only Dinesh can do. Go to WatchTrumpCard.com and pre-order your video on demand and DVD now. You don't want to miss this important new film by Dinesh D'Souza. Order your DVD and be among the first to see the Trump Card movie on demand today, exclusively at WatchTrumpCard.com. That's WatchTrumpCard.com. This is Dr. Sebastian Gorka, and I'm very excited to tell you about the book that finally tells the inside story of Obamagate. It's called Above the Law, and it's written by my good friend Matthew Whitaker, the former acting U.S. Attorney General. We all know that the deep state has been out to destroy President Trump since before he was elected. Now, in this new book, Above the Law, Matt lays out the inside story of how James Comey at the FBI and top officials at the Justice Department helped fabricate the fake Russian conspiracy with the participation of Barack Obama. You'll read how Mueller and his henchmen created a corrupt report for the sole purpose of political subversion, despite the fact that there was zero evidence of Russian collusion. You want the truth about Obamagate? Matthew Whitaker has written a book. It's called Above the Law. Order it today from Amazon or wherever books are sold. Above the Law by my friend Matt Whitaker. Hi, my name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South Coast, Coast Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176 and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. If you're an employer, a business owner, if you have 5 to 100 employees, listen up. The cost of doing business continues to skyrocket, strangling your HR department with more regulations, administrative duties, and liability than ever. I'm John Steigerwald. Your health plan's a big part of that cost. Another year, another 10% rate hike, another $1,000 increase on your deductible, another hospital or doctor you can't go to because they're not in the network. Isn't it time for a change? Well, stop the insanity and call Marley Financial, the most innovative agency in the industry. 
Put an end to the annual increase. Give your employees a national network that all hospitals accept and reduce your monthly premiums by 20 to 30 percent. It doesn't matter when your renewal is. Marley can help today. Call 724-884-1496. Marley Financial, 724-884-1496. 724-884-1496. You're listening to The John Staggerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Now I think high schools all over the area are still trying to figure out uh, what to do with uh football games Friday night, how many spectators they're going to allow in, and whoever comes in is going to have to wear a mask. Meanwhile, I don't know if you saw this or not, but there's a story out there, there's an, uh, the video goes with it, you should check it out online, uh, an Ohio woman, she was tased, tased, they used a taser on her and arrested because she didn't wear a mask to her eighth, her son's eighth grade football game, uh, and her name is Alicia Kitts. And she was tased uh, this just a couple of days ago, uh, and she was um, uh, she said she, she she was resisting the officer putting handcuffs on her. We've heard this before. It's, what's interesting about this uh, is that the woman is white and the, the 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 cop is black, and the video looks a lot like some of what you're seeing uh, we've seen with the the Black Lives Matter uh, the, the stuff that's set off a protest by the Black Lives Matter group. Um, it's a it's a, a woman uh, resisting arrest, and uh, she pays the price, which she shouldn't have done. She shouldn't have resisted arrest. She should have just left. But um, she it says that everybody that came through the ticketing was reminded that uh, they had uh, have masks. She said she has asthma, and she refused to put the mask on. And um, so they the, the cop comes over. And then this is what the Logan Police Department said about it. This is in uh, Logan, Ohio. Officer Smith was walking in the stadium and observed the female sitting in the stands without a mask. He approached the female and advised her she needed to put her mask on. Now, I, I'm looking at the picture as I'm reading this. She, This is a high school football stadium, but it's an eighth-grade game, so there are very few fans there, basically uh, parents. That's it. Where she's sitting, she's sitting with a group that's obviously the group that she came in the car with, you know, they're all sitting very close together. And there's nobody within, as what I can see here, there's nobody within 10 rows, the bench, you know, benches in a high school stadium, nobody within 10 rows of her uh, up in, in front and back. And she's the next closest person that I can see in the picture to her is a section away in the high school stadium. And she was told that she had to put a mask on. This is the kind of stupidity that is out there in the world. She ends up getting tased, and she ends up uh, being dragged away, and uh, they, uh, she, uh, I don't know, she, 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 the female was not arrested, it says here, for failing to wear a mask. She was asked to leave the premises for continually violating school policy. Once she refused to leave the premises, she was advised she was under arrest for criminal trespassing. She resisted the arrest, and that's what's led. That's what led to the force. So, she basically, though, it it came down to being, she 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 got tased for not wearing a mask, and she was not wearing a mask in a not a gigantic, but a with in a in a high school football stadium with huge amounts of empty space around her. She's with her family. She's not wearing a mask. And they make an issue about it. How long is this stupidity going to go on? It's just, it's unbelievable that people are putting up with this. Meanwhile, out in Iowa, Moscow, Iowa, which is interesting in the name of the city, um, they uh, they had a church group that decided to protest this, the uh, stupid mask uh, rules out there. So they, they had a, a psalm singing uh, demonstration. They, they were out singing. And guess what? No, they got... They got uh, take one guy got taken to jail. The the um, the minister Douglas Wilson. It was called a psalm sing. He was taken to uh, prison, you know, not prison jail, and they bailed him out. But uh, they, it, it was all about the stupid mask rules in Moscow, Ohio. Ohio uh, I'm sorry, I, uh, Iowa. And here's the best part. You know how many deaths there have been in the county where this took place? None, zero. Nobody has died. This is what they're doing. When we come back, we're going to talk about more mask stupidity, and it's all over the world. We'll do that right after we take a break. Stick around. 
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Authorities are pleading for calm in Louisville, Kentucky. A new round of demonstrations in U.S. cities was set off by outrage over a grand jury's failure to bring homicide charges against the officers who announced themselves and then entered Breonna Taylor's apartment six months ago. The state attorney general said the investigation showed officers were acting in self-defense when they responded to gunfire from Taylor's boyfriend. Public support for protest against police brutality has fallen among Americans, according to a new poll from the Associated Press, NORC Center for Public Affairs Research. 44% disapprove of the protest, while 39% approve. In June, 54% approved of the protest. Stocks closing slightly higher. The Dow gained 52 points today. The Nasdaq ahead 39 and the S&P 500 up 9. This is SRN News. God's Word is power, and we need to be in His Word every day gaining wisdom. God is very patient, but because of our immoral society, we are drowning in debt, have poor public education, and corruption all around us. Our founders would be horrified at what the democratic agenda has become. With the right and left fighting each other, they get none of the work done. Please go to ProfitToAmerica.com. We're going to lose America. You can't remain silent. That's ProfitToAmerica.com. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. This is not time for a spiritual awakening. I need to be the man that God made me to be. From the creators of God's Not Dead, the new movie, One Nation Under God. We can do anything with faith. We can accomplish anything with faith. Winner of 35 Film Festival, starring Kevin Sorbo and Antonio Sabato Jr. One Nation Under God. Go to SalemNow.com to purchase and use promo code MOVIE for 20% off. Mike Gallagher is watching for more tricks out of D.C. As Chuck Schumer put it, everything's on the table. Cheating could be the least of our worries. Uh, Pelosi hinted (laughs) that they might try to impeach Trump as a way to stop him from appointing a conservative to the Supreme Court. The Mike Gallagher Show, weekdays at 9, right before Dennis Prager at noon on AM 1250. The answer. Spending more time inside? J&D Waterproofing can help you breathe a little easier. Protect your family, friends, and pets from mold, dampness, and other unhealthy elements. For over 80 years, J&D has been making Pittsburgh basements very dry and improving indoor air quality with solutions like the Easy Breathe System. Eliminate unhealthy mold and allergy-causing moisture without filters or reservoirs while using less energy than a 40-watt light bulb. Call 1-800-VERY-DRY or visit jdwaterproofing.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. God's Word is power, and we need to be in His Word every day gaining wisdom. God is very patient, but because of our immoral society, we are drowning in debt, have poor public education, and corruption all around us. Our founders would be horrified at what the democratic agenda has become. With the right and left fighting each other, they get none of the work done. Please go to ProfitToAmerica.com. We're going to lose America. You can't remain silent. That's ProfitToAmerica.com. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. Division of Salem Media Group. Listen on The Answer mobile app. Smart speakers. Tune in. iHeart or Radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway West, delays inbound Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. About a five-minute backup. Inbound Parkway East, that's heavy into the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. About a six-minute delay. Also heavy county jail to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Outbound tied up from Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. Inbound 28. Some delays from 40th Street Bridge to Chestnut Street. Outbound Route 8 is heavy from Allegheny Valley Expressway up to Butler Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
Partly cloudy skies expected for tonight. We'll see a low of 54. It'll be nice tomorrow with clouds and sunshine. Tomorrow's high, 79. Tomorrow night, mainly clear, low 56. We'll have a mix of clouds and sunshine for Saturday at a high of 79. Sunday will be warm with temperatures approaching near record highs. We'll see increasing cloudiness and a high of 81. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. This is the John Stackerwall Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. So I should mention that the story in uh, Moscow, Iowa, it's in Idaho, I forget. Anyway, it's, uh, I think it's Iowa. Uh, but anyway, the story was that the reason that they were taken away for singing outside is that they were not socially distanced enough. They didn't have the, the for, so that they were supposed to have masks on because they were standing together singing. Anyway, mask stupidity is everywhere. I told you about that, uh, some of that stupidity before the break out there in Moscow and in this case in Ohio. There's a good chance that the world uh, has been overrun with mask stupidity. John Tierney is a Pittsburgh guy. He writes for City Journal. Uh, you can find it at city-journal.org. He wrote a piece with this headline, The Moral Case for Reopening Schools Without Masks. John is here. Thanks for being here, John. Thank you for inviting me, John. So uh, in your piece, uh, you quote Sunetra Gupta. Who is she, yeah. and why does she say we should do the opposite of what we're being told about masks? Well, she is an epidemiologist at the University of Oxford in England, and uh, you know she's got a team of researchers there. She's an expert in infectious diseases, and she has a much better track record, um, you know, in the COVID pandemic than the scientists um, at Imperial College, who famously, you know, predicted scared the whole world with predictions mm-hmm. that there'd be two million Americans dying and five hundred thousand people in Britain. And she, from the start, was saying that you know these are dubious assumptions. That, about how the virus behaves, about how uh, about exactly how lethal it is. And I think she's been proven right by what has actually happened. You know, that uh, obviously it's a problem, COVID, it, and, and it certainly attacks vulnerable people. But for most people, you know, especially below the age of 55, even below the age of 70, is a pretty low risk. Um, and and as she points out, we you know we face a lot of bigger risks in daily life as it is, and we don't shut down the country and deprive young people of education and cause all this damage to the economy that you know that hurts us here in the United States. It's devastating to poor people around the world. You know, she is very concerned about the impact this is having you know on, on the poorest people in the world. This economic slowdown because it really is a life or death thing there when you're that poor. So how did her model differ from all the uh, the panic-inducing models that we saw at the beginning of this nightmare? Well, they assumed that the virus had just arrived. It had only just started spreading. And when you saw these cases um, mounting up and the deaths, uh, you, know, you know, rising quickly, that this is just the start of a terrible thing that it was going to spread it. You know, it was going to spread so widely, and it was going to kill so many more people. What she pointed out is that, um, in fact, you could look at these at these trends and, and and say that actually the virus had been there, you know, earlier. I mean, it had been around longer than they thought, and it had, and a lot of people had already been exposed to it without you know developing symptoms or without you know and without dying. So you know, this meant that that a lot of people had already been exposed to it. The virus wasn't as lethal as they thought. And it also meant that, that, you know, the traditional way that humans cope with flu viruses and viruses like this is, you know, we're exposed to it and enough people are exposed to it and get over it and develop immunity to it that it stops spreading very quickly because there aren't that many people anymore. You know, it's called herd immunity. Now, that doesn't make the virus go away. You know, our flu virus is always around every year. Cold viruses are around. But enough people that develop immunity so that it stops being this raging epidemic. And she pointed out that, you know, that this seemed to be happening in places. And this was just heresy. Oh, my God, we can't do it. Um, you know, Sweden was, you know, was the one country that, you know, that took fairly mild measures. You know, it didn't do strict lockdowns. Um, and and it was criticized for, oh, this is terrible. It will never work. You know, the, uh, you know there were predictions that 100,000 people would die in Sweden because they weren't, you know, doing these strict lockdowns. And what has actually happened in Sweden is that fewer than 6,000 people have died. And for the last couple months, um, 
I mean, they had the same kind of curve that New York had. In New York, you know, City, for instance, had three times the, the fatalities per capita. It, you know, then it peaks, and then it goes down. Not quite as fast as it went up, but it goes down. And in both New York and Sweden, um, you know, since the end of July, there have been, you know, basically it's a flat line barely above zero. And, you know, in Sweden, it's about two people, two deaths per day. And in New York, it's, you know, single digits, I think. Um, or it, it's very low. So, so you basically get this really scary curve and then, and then it flattens out. And now, and, and it's so telling that Sweden did all this without a lockdown, without, you know, closing schools, without, um, uh, shutting down all its businesses and restaurants and bars. And New York is still, you know, we're still in a modified lockdown. You know, we, we are, uh, restaurants still can't serve indoors here in New York City. And it's just, decimating you know you know the local you know industry all these oh. places you know where i live you know i just went to the shoemaker you know yesterday and found he's, he's out of business you know and um and so many of these restaurants are not going to reopen so it's sad to see and, and and you know that we've reacted to this and the worst thing is in, in new york we they've just kept putting off reopening schools and this is really what you know what doesn't make sense because children and young people are at such low risk from this virus you know, children under 14 are likelier to die from the flu than from COVID. And, you know, in Sweden, not a single student died um, from COVID. And, and the infection rate among teachers, you know, that was a great fear. The kids will all infect the teachers. The infection rate among teachers was not higher than it was for other professions. So it really doesn't make sense to, you know, to keep kids home, to, you know, to make them sit six feet apart in class, to make them wear masks. I mean, what an, you know, I think it's child abuse, you know, you know, making kids sit all day wearing a mask and not so letting them I. play with each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's, and the same thing with colleges, you know, we hear all these headlines about, Oh my God, they got 20 cases at this school and 20 cases at that. But if you look at how many people are in the hospital, how many people have died, how many students, you know, and, I've seen charts that have, you know, zero, zero, zero for everything, for every school. Um, you know, now obviously there are some people who are vulnerable. They have risk factors, you know, the elderly especially, and there are some younger people too. And those people, you know, as Gupta says, and as I, I agree with her, that they should have the option of studying online. They should take care to isolate themselves. And the rest of us who don't have these risk factors, we should be careful, you know, when we're around them. But it's, it's really unfair to, to, you know, to ask college students, you know, to, to deprive them of being on campus, of sitting in lecture halls, of meeting with their teachers, when you know the risk is so low. You know, for young teenage, for teenagers and young adults, the risk of dying from COVID is lower than the, is much much lower than the risk of being murdered. Um, you know, yeah, anyone, I, I looked it up. It's it's the last number I saw, John, is ninety nine point nine nine seven is the um, is the survival rate under nineteen. So I figured out that the, the that's the chances are only slightly better than getting killed by a dinosaur, which would be zero. <laughs> right, that's like right. a Tyrannosaurus I mean, Rex <laughs> is a better chance of killing a ten year old than the virus does. Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, the stats I was looking at was someone who, I think he was looking at your overall chances of, he compared with how many people are killed at, you know, are murdered every year, how many people die in accidents. And, you know, for anyone under age 55, you know, you are more at risk of dying, in a, you know, from an, an accidental injury like a car accident or from cancer or from heart disease. So, you know, COVID, you know, it just, we face these risks every day without, you know, destroying our economy and, and really ruining people's lives. So now obviously we should protect older people, but, uh, um, you know, but to shut down society when most people are relatively low risk to it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, um, but the, the headline of your piece is uh, the moral case. I, I don't have it right in front of me now. I should. The, right, the, yeah. mor yeah. the moral case right, against the mask. Right. I mean, and I was writing this because, you know, it's become such a, especially on the left, it's become this great symbol of your virtue that you're, I'm wearing a mask to protect everyone else because I care, you know, I'm a good person. Right. I care about the community. But in fact, what Gupta's argument is, is that in fact, the best thing you can do to help the community and to help to protect the vulnerable is to expose yourself to the virus. Because if you're at low risk from it yourself, 
the more people who are low risk, who expose themselves to the virus, the quicker we develop herd immunity so that the virus stops spreading. And therefore, mm-hmm. it's, it's much less likely to reach those vulnerable people if the rest of us will simply expose ourselves. So, I, you know, instead of shaming students, you know, for, for getting together, we should be praising them. They're helping to develop herd immunity. And that is the way that we deal with all viruses. I mean, we've always done this. These lockdowns are this, you know, weird attempt, to, you know, to, to, it's a wholly new way to do it, to quarantine everyone in, in the hopes that, that the virus will go away. And it's not going to go away. I mean, even a vaccine is not going to achieve, you know, it's not going to eradicate the virus. It will no. still be there. So, well, and, and, you know, and what you're doing is you're kind of pushing things into the future, um, you know, by, and so the quicker you get this herd immunity, the better off everyone is. So I, I would like people to feel public spirited in doing that instead of being shamed for it. We're talking to John Tierney. He's a uh, contributing editor at City Journal, and the, the, uh, the headline is The Moral Case for reopening schools without masks. Um, and I don't know if Sunetra uh, Gupta, who you um, <clears throat> quote quite a bit in your piece, has been to the United States lately, but there is absolutely zero chance of that happening, of, of masks just it's going, so, it's just not going to happen. I know, it's so sad, you know, the, you know, the great lockdown proponents say, you know, look at the science, but I mean, you know, there is a science to, to herd immunity and developing that. And, uh, I mean, that's the way we traditionally deal with viruses like this. And, you know, she's uh, 55 years old, which, you know, she started to get in, you know, she's not in the absolute lowest risk group, but she mm-hmm. says, you know, I face risks like this all the, you know, I face bigger risks in my life. And I think it's, she says, you know, I find it intolerable. It's appalling that teachers will not go back in the classroom, that they're depriving children of this really, you know, children and college students of this, you know, really important part of their lives. Well, I've got stories here today uh, in uh, a story in, um, where is it? It's uh, in Ohio. A woman was tased uh, and arrested for not wearing a mask at her eighth grade son's football game. Sitting outside yeah, in a football stadium, and not, this is an eighth grade game, so it wasn't a full stadium. It was just it, there was. I looked at the the video. There, there. Other than the people she's with, there's nobody around her. God, it's just insane. I mean, the whole risk outdoors is so small anyway. And uh, you know, it was funny that, and of course, you know, the same people that that were calling for all these lockdowns were. It was fine to have BLM protests, but you know, I looked into the, some research about the BLM protests that you know were suddenly you know we're allowed to be outside yeah, uh, together in, fine, in yeah. huge groups. But the interesting thing was, even there, they really you know they didn't find outbreaks after that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, which shows you that when young people and you know that and when you're outdoors, that there just isn't that much risk from this. But, I mean, I see people in New York jogging by themselves. I you know, see people in cars by themselves wearing masks. And uh, I just, this climate of fear is terrible, I think. I saw someone out here in the country in Washington County uh, yesterday, uh, a woman, and I'm talking about out in the country on a country road by herself wearing a mask. I mean, there wasn't a human in sight <laughs> other than me, and I was in my car, so... Uh, it's, it's, it's beyond belief well, yeah, what's going people, on. I mean, it makes people feel good, you know, and I mean, I always, you know, my mother lives um, in Pittsburgh. She's nine, you know, she's 93 and, you know, and she lives um, in an apartment building with a lot of elderly people and they're careful yeah. about who they let in. They take, and, that, and they should be, and I'm careful, sure. you know, when I go in that building, but I'm not going to wear a mask on the sidewalk outside by myself. It's ridiculous. So what Dr. Gupta says basically is that we need to find, without actually saying it, we need to find a cure for virtue signaling. Yeah, exactly. Well, we need to find the difference between virtue signaling and real virtue. You know, yeah. and I'm, that's what I'm trying to do is tell people, if, you're, if you really want to be virtuous, you got to try and contribute to, to developing herd immunity instead of, instead of yelling at other people who are doing that. Well, I, I was in uh, Waynesburg today teaching a class. I had to wear a mask, and all the students were wearing masks, and everybody was walking around in the halls wearing masks. And uh, being a Pittsburgher, you know where Waynesburg is, down there in Greene County. Yep. Do you know how many people have died in Greene County from the COVID uh, this year, uh, since March? Uh, how many? None. Nobody. <laughs> uh, so, and, and I had a guy on yesterday who said that 60% of the counties in the United States 
have fewer than 10 deaths, 60% of the yeah. counties. And in those Boy. counties, they're all being told to wear masks. Uh, out in, in Moscow, Idaho, um, story today, uh, Idaho Christians were arrested for singing hymns maskless outside City Hall and County with zero COVID deaths in the county where they were caught without masks. Not one person has died from this <laughs> disease. It's, it's, it's insanity. It's, I know. It's people. It really shows you, you know, how much some people love to boss others around. And what's really disparaging to me is, is you look at some of these public opinion surveys um, where a majority of people favor a national mask mandate. Oh, no and question. I just... And I just find that it's terrible. But, you know, in, in, in my book, The Power of Bad, that, you know, I've talked about before, about how we're so, you know, how the merchants are bad, the media are just always trying to scare us. And mm-hmm. this is just a classic case of what I call the crisis crisis. They've just terrified everyone. You know, that when they've done surveys asking people, how dangerous is this to you? The funny thing is that young people, I saw one survey where younger people are more scared of it than older people are, which makes absolutely no sense because there's such a surprise me. young people. It doesn't surprise me. I was walking in Mount Lebanon the other day, and just as many people walking outside on a beautiful Sunday morning had masks on with nobody within 100 yards of them, and most of them were the were younger people. It was It's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah, it's become this kind of, you know, trend, I guess, you know, and if you're if you're progressive, if you know, Joe Biden wants a national yeah. mask mandate. And, oh, that's a political And thing, I think yeah. progressives like to boss people around, you know, there is yeah. there's that joy in in power. Well, John, I'm out of time. Uh, always good to have you on the the show. It's uh, John Tierney. He's the contributing editor at City Journal and check out his piece there about uh, the morality of masks and letting the kids go to school and letting people just, you know, live. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. Thank you, John. Okay, talk to you again. We'll be right back. When does a person get rights? When a person is a person. All across our nation, our nation is divided. In our homes, in social media, everywhere you turn. But what is at the heart of this division? In the new movie, Divided Hearts of America, Super Bowl champion and executive producer Benjamin Watson searches for the truth. This is one of the worst possible choices that any woman and her family has to make. You'll discover why the most polarizing debate of this century boils down to the sacred dignity of human life. There is no personhood under law. We don't have that in this country. With Divided Hearts of America, you'll learn what you need to be armed to fight what divides us and come to a place of real unity with empathy, healing, and real hope. Be part of the change and watch Divided Hearts of America. Go to SalemNow.com to purchase. Use promo code Pittsburgh for 20% off at SalemNow.com. Promo code Pittsburgh. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. This is John Steigerwald. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for free repair or replacement. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty, why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. I'm United States Surgeon General Jerome Adams, America's doctor. And all across our nation, we've taken steps together to slow the spread of coronavirus. Now we must continue to take personal responsibility to protect ourselves and our loved ones. Because even though not all of us risk a severe case of coronavirus, we all risk getting it and spreading it to others, maybe without even realizing that we're sick. So if we want to get back to school, back to work, back to worship, and back to overall health. There are things our country needs to do. We need to follow state and local guidelines, take extra precautions if at higher risk, wash our hands frequently, stay six feet from others when we can, 
And when we can't stay six feet from others, please, I'm begging you, wear a face covering. These small actions will make a big difference. So I'm asking you to say it with me, America. Coronavirus stops with me. You can learn more at coronavirus.gov. Produced by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services at taxpayer expense. You've heard all the lies about President Trump. Trump is a racist. Trump is Putin's pet. Here's the truth. Trump is the most effective conservative president that America has had in decades. And every lie they spread about him is targeting you. This is Kurt Schlichter, and my new book is called The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You. It does what no other book does. It knocks down the 21 biggest lies about our president with facts and logic and humor. Trump obstructed justice. Trump hates immigrants. These are big lies, and the reason for the lies is simple. President Trump is the first president in a long time to stand up for the Constitution and for conservative principles. And when the left wants to tear down everything this country stands for, my new book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, explains why this president's courage and common sense are exactly what we need today. This is the most important book of the year. Read it and you'll agree. The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You by me, Kurt Schlichter. Get it wherever books are sold. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So here we go. Uh, up in Canada, you know, their Thanksgiving is, uh, I don't know when it is this year. It's the, I think it's the first Monday in October, but it's in a couple of weeks. Uh, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau just said that Canada's second wave of COVID-19 is already underway. And uh, while outlining plans to combat the virus so families can have a shot at gathering for Christmas, Trudeau made the remarks during a televised address to Canadians focusing on the pandemic on Wednesday night. This is what he said. The, the, the country is at a crossroads. The numbers are clear. Back on March 13th, when we went into lockdown, there were 47 new cases. 47 people in the entire country of Canada. Yesterday alone, we had well over 1,000. We're on the brink of a fall. It could be much worse than the spring. I know this isn't the news that any of us wanted to hear. It's all too likely that we won't be gathering for Thanksgiving, but we still have a shot at Christmas. This is just not having football games at Thanksgiving. Not having Thanksgiving in your house is what I'm getting from this. Right now, you're not supposed to have more than 10 people inside for anything ever in Canada. They had 47 cases now they had a thousand. Who cares? People are getting sick. It's sick. It's very, very, very sick and scary and dumb and stupid. And I'll talk to you tomorrow. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.